G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. It was always alive and exciting. It was a prevailing church. They were passionate for God. They were passionate for each other. And I want to know why. Today with Jeff Vines on Star. Hello and welcome. My name is Bill and in this episode of Today with Jeff Vines, we start a new series called Fully Devoted. It's all about what it is to be a fully devoted Christ follower. We're thinking today about why we attend church. Why do you attend church? Is your church better than the others? Or do you attend to rack up brownie points with God? Today we'll explore the idea of the church we're all looking for. This should be an interesting message. So let's join Pastor Jeff now to hear what he has to say. Five questions for you to consider. Here's the first one. Why are you here? I'm very serious. I'm I'm very serious. Why, Why do you come to church? I mean, you think of all the other places and all the other things you could be doing right now. And some of you guys are saying, yeah, I know all the things I could be doing right now, but my wife made me come. So why do you come? Now, Here's what I'm thinking. Uh, Doing ministry this long, I can tell you there are many different reasons. And let's just go through a couple of them. For some of you, church attendance is a propitiation. That's a a word that the Apostle Paul uses from the Greco-Roman world. It's a word that means that the Greek gods are all angry at us. And if I offer a sacrifice, then the Greek gods will pour out their wrath on the sacrifice instead of me. So to a lot of you, you come to church because... And I don't know who you are. I'm just saying in an audience like this, this size, somebody, you're going to fit in one of these categories. And hopefully it's not this first one. But to a lot of you, church attendance is a sacrifice that you give to God so he won't zap you (laughs) for the sin that's in your life. All right. There's a second group. Some of you see church as a good luck charm. Here's the way it works. You come to church on the weekend. It's kind of like, okay, God, I scratched your back. Now you got to scratch mine. I came to church on Sunday. Now you help me Monday to Saturday until I can come back and get my good luck buzz the next week. For others of you, it's sheer fear and terror. You're afraid if you don't come to church, you're going to go to hell. And your motivation is to come here to avoid hell. Now there's another group. And that group, let me compare like Ray Lewis and Tim Tebow. Let's start with Ray Lewis. Now, this may be a shocker to a lot of you, but I don't think God cares who wins the Super Bowl. Matter of fact, I don't think God cares who wins any sporting event. As a matter of fact, I've been trying to get God involved in my golf game for 20 years. And I can tell you right now, he does not care. (laughs) Or he doesn't care about me, one or the other. But Ray Lewis, 
If you read something, and I'm not, this is not a judgment call. I'm trying to make a decision here on basis of what I read. Ray Lewis actually believes that God will help him defeat the other team. No weapon formed against him shall stand. Now, I am a huge Ray Lewis fan. I think he's a great ball player, but I just think he's wrong in his theology. I don't think God's going to help his team defeat another team because you got Christians on the other side praying too. Tim Tebow, though, is a little different because Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow, Tebow, Tim Tebow does not believe that God helps him win a game. The reason he kneels down on the ground is to thank God that he even is able to play the game and that God's given him the talent and the body, obviously, to be able to play this great game. So his attitude is one of gratitude, but he does it when he wins or when he loses. Some of you are here because you're just grateful. You know that you've got a lot of good things in your life because of God, and you're here because you really want to be here, and you really want to honor and be grateful to the God of heaven from whom all good and perfect gifts come. But there is a fifth group. And that group goes beyond worship and gratitude into this. The reason they come every weekend is they are hoping to see God. They are hoping that something will happen where heaven will touch earth, that it will be clear that God is in this place, that their eyes will be open to something they've never seen before. And the people who come who are just visiting, who are what we call seekers, they're here and they want to know, is there something special? Is there something different than what I have out there? Because if there's not, I'm wasting my time. So there are many of you that you want to come to church. You want to know God is alive and active. Last weekend, we had 105 baptisms in one weekend, 105. Here's what was interesting about that. As I saw people getting baptized on my right and left, I saw people out there raising their hands. Some were just in deep meditation and prayer. The point is you were happy because you felt like, man, look at this. God is doing something special. I looked over to my left here. One of my most favorite moments that I'll remember for a long time, two brothers getting baptized. And when they came out of the water, one of the brothers picked up the other brother in a bear hug. And you could just tell they got it. They knew the importance of the moment that they had crossed a threshold, that they were fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now you like that because you see the hand of God moving. I don't see anywhere in the scripture where it says church is about a place where you dispense information. I don't see that. So here's my second question. How many of you would like to be part of a church where you're in awe every week, where it's like God is moving every weekend, man. You can't wait to get here because you're afraid if you missed it, God would have done something amazing and you would have missed it. How many of you want to be a part of a church like that? Now, I got to tell you something. I haven't found that place yet. Do I want a place like that? Oh man, do I? All my life I've wanted, but I've never known how to get it. And can you get it? That's the third question. Is such a place like that possible to where God is moving every weekend? Every time you come together, God is in your midst. He's moving. He's doing awesome things. And you can't wait to get back to see what God will do next. Is that even possible? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit came down in tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost and the apostles were able to speak in a language they had not previously studied because there were people from all over the known world and they wanted to communicate the gospel on the day of Pentecost, but they only knew one language. So the Spirit of God enabled them to speak in a language they had not previously known so that everyone who attended could hear the gospel in their own language. Before Pentecost, there were 120 followers of Jesus around about. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that gospel that salvation is by grace through faith, 
3,000 people came that day and all of them were baptized. 3,000. It takes a long time to baptize 3,000 people. And if you know anything about early church history in the book of Acts, you know that a couple of days later, 2,000 more came. So then a couple of days, 5,000. That's the first mega church right there. And they were alive. And God was showing up. And the, 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 the apostles were doing many miraculous signs and people stood in awe. Now here's the fifth question. What did they do when they came together? These people. Now you might say, why do I care? Here's why you care. Because whatever they were doing, God was showing up. People just kept coming in. Droves and droves of people. Every time they met together, God was doing something spectacular. And there was an expectation that God was going to do something spectacular. Church was never boring. It was always alive and exciting. And I want to know why. It was a prevailing church. They were passionate for God. They were passionate for each other. They were alive. They were filled with the Spirit of God. God was moving. And I want to know why. Why? Is it because God is sovereign? He just chose to use that time? Is it because there's some formula? Is there a cause and effect? And the answer is yes to all those. And I want you to hear me what I have to say now. I want you to hear, I want you to concentrate. I want you to think hard about what I'm about to say because according to the scripture, here's why God moved. These guys were devoted to a few things. This Greek word devoted is, uh, let me explain it to you like this. When we, when we lived in Auckland, New Zealand, my son Delaney must have been about six years old and I took him to the supermarket to do some shopping and I lost him. Now, have you ever as a parent lost your child? It's a scary feeling, isn't it? Especially today. I mean, it's just gut-wrenching. And he, of course, he's so inquisitive, he didn't even notice he was lost. Now, I knew he was lost because I looked down and I thought, where is my son? Now, I couldn't find him, man, my heart started racing. I've, I, don't know if, I don't know what scared me the most, the fact that I may never get Delaney back or that I had to tell my wife that I lost her son. <laughs> it was close call. And so suddenly I heard somebody, dad, dad. Oh, great, he's yelling. So I'm going through the aisles, I find him. And what I noticed is every time, for a couple of years, when I brought Delaney back to that supermarket, he held my hand so tight, it just about cut off the blood circulation. He was scared to death that I would lose him. That's what the Greek word latched onto, devoted means. And they were devoted to a few things. Here's the first. They were devoted to the fellowship. I want you to notice that in Acts 2, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. But down in verse 44, then it says, and the believers were all together. These are two different concepts. That's why they're translated just a little bit differently. Let's deal with the first one first. They came together in the temple, but it didn't stop there. These people in the early church could not get enough of each other. The Bible says in verse 46 that every day, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, can you say this together with me? Every day. How often is that? Every day. They just didn't come together at the end of the week or the first of the week. They came together every day because these people were hungry for each other and they couldn't get enough of each other. A couple of years ago, I spoke in Poland and not a lot of Christians in Poland. And so I was doing a pastor's conference. And when I got off the airplane, they escorted me to the hotel. We were in Warsaw. These pastors were there to meet me. And man, it was like we were long lost friends. Even though we had a language barrier, a cultural barrier, it's like, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeff. And I could understand most of them. Sometimes I'd use a translator and say, tell us about what God's doing in your life. 
Tell us about what we have to look forward to. Pastor Jeff, tell us about the crucifixion. Explain it to us again. Tell us about the passage of scripture that God's using in your life to transform you. Tell us everything, Pastor Jeff. They couldn't get enough of each other because they wanted to hear each other's story and the narrative God was working together in each person's life. And they were together all the time. They were hungry for each other. You never had to go say, dude, why weren't you in church on Sunday? That just wasn't an an option because they wanted to be together. And they didn't come together out of some command or duty or tradition. They came together because life was going on and God was moving and they were afraid to miss it. They knew that every time they got together, God was doing something spectacular. Folks, a lot of times we complain. We say, why don't people, why don't more people come to church? Let me tell you, that's not the question to be asking. Here's the question to be asking. What's here that they would want? What's here? Why would they want to come? I'll tell you, if God moves, when God starts to move, listen now, listen When God starts to move in a church, you won't be able to keep the doors closed. They'll come in by the hundreds and thousands when God is moving. When man is moving, you'll get a crowd. When God is moving, people come in by the droves. You say, Pastor Jeff, you say God's not moving here? Wait now, hold on. Let's keep going. Acts 2, 44 says all the believers were together. Now, in one sense, it talks about they were devoted to the fellowship. That is, they assembled together. That's what the church, the word church means. Actually, that's the word ecclesia. Church is a a uh, German word that kind of took over the word ecclesia. That's a long story, but it's the fellowship, the gathering. But now we're talking about they're devoted. And what it means is they were devoted to each other. And three things happened in the early church. For those of you who get a little early church history that won't hurt you, stay focused though. You guys that are ADD, I'll bring in a story in a moment. So just stay with me right now to get what I'm trying to say. Stay with me. They bore each other's burdens. That's the first thing they did when they were devoted to the fellowship. They, they, there was no one in their presence who had a need. Financial, health, psychological, whatever it was, they came together and met each other's needs. No one would go without something that they desperately needed. And the rest of the people in the church made sure of that. As a matter of fact, Izzy, do you know my friend? Izzy, he's here. Hey, Izzy, how are you? You better, I hope you keep sitting in that seat because I keep an eye on you, but... This past, uh, this past Monday in prayer meeting, by the way, if you want to see a glimpse of the early church come to prayer meeting on Monday nights, that's where God seems to be moving the most right now. And so we're all praising, we're worshiping, and we're praying. And I asked my friend Izzy on Monday to come up and just sit on the stage with me. So Izzy came up and he sat on the stage. And as you know, most of you know, Izzy's fighting for his life. He's fighting for his life. Only by the grace of God is he here right now, and only by the grace of God will he be here next weekend and the weekend after and years to come. Only by the grace of God. He's fighting for his life. And I asked him to sit on the stage with me, and I asked the people, about 350, to raise their hands toward heaven and to pray for Izzy, that God would give Izzy mercy and compassion and grace for the sake of Izzy's voice. And I told Izzy as they're praying not to pray, but to look and take a mental photograph of what you're gonna see and let that photograph from now on encourage you when you're alone that you know there are hundreds of people with their hands toward heaven praying that you will survive this. And tears just rolled down his cheeks as he began to dawn on him that these people love me, they're devoted to me. The early church, it was much more than coming in here on the weekend. Hey, dude, how you doing? Let's have a cup of coffee. Yeah, see you next. It was much more than that. These people were devoted to each other, man. If there was a need, they could tell each other. And the need was met. Not only that, they confessed their sins to each other. And here's why. Because they knew that a holy life 
meant the abundant life. That nobody's perfect, but in your pursuit of living the way God calls you to live, that you will have a good and abundant life and God will open up the windows of heaven. But if you have so much sin entangling you, yes, I know you're saved by grace, still there, but if you have so much sin that entangles you, it robs you of the joy and the abundant living Christ came to bring. So what they did, they wanted their brothers to help them get the sin out of their lives. They'd say, help me conquer this because I know it's going to destroy me. So they confess to each other, Brother Jeff, you got to help me. On Monday night prayer meeting, I'm walking out after the end of the meeting. A guy walks up to me, takes my hand, gives me a big bear hug and says, Pastor Jeff, tears in his eyes, thank you. And I said, for what? He said, for believing in me and for not judging me. I have an addiction to pornography and I'm trying to conquer this thing. But thank you that I can feel the freedom to tell you that. No, I won't be judged. To know that we all have our issues and we're going to help each other. So he attends CR to try to recover from this addiction. He knows it's killing him and he knows he can't do it on his own. So that's why they confess their sins to each other. Pride goeth before the fall. Now, for those of you who are ADD, here's the story. I was reading again about Gary Richmond. It's an interesting story. There's a 13-foot cobra at the zoo, 13 feet. And this cobra has a scar above his left eye. And so every winter when he begins to shed his skin, the skin gets stuck right above the eye. And this snake looks like the embodiment of evil. And Gary Richmond talks about how the problem is it gets stuck there and the only way you can remove it is by hand. And humorously, he says, the problem is snakes don't have hands. So people got to do it. So you got to get five guys and the zoo curator into this den of a snake that has the, enough venom to kill a thousand people, a herd of elephants. And they're all terrified, but they've got to do it. They come in and the idea is to put a towel over the snake and then to pay, take back the towel, shove his head in the ground and, and just at the spot where the the skin is stuck over the eye to pull it apart and then they can get out of there. So these five guys go in. They're all nervous, man. Their hands are shaking, which is bad news unless you're the snake. And they got the towel over the snake and all of a sudden they look down and the towel is, has turned from white to yellow. The venom has just drenched the towel. Gary realizes he's got a cut on his left hand and if the venom gets in there, he will die. So he pulls back and all of a sudden, they get, try to get this piece of skin off. They finally rip it off. And now Gary Richmond says something very interesting to the guys who have been uh, called to help him uh, do the deed. And here's what he says. Hey, guys, remember, more people are bitten trying to let go of snakes than when they grab onto them. <laughs> Isn't that a great analogy? Easy to grab, hard to let go. Easy to grab, hard to let go. There are many men who took the first drink that never planned on being alcoholics. There are many men who did something inappropriately with a woman to whom they were not married that never planned on becoming a serial adulterer. There are many women who started embezzling from the company that never planned on being where they are. Easy to grab, hard to let go. Easy to grab, hard to let go. You can't let go on your own. Sin is so powerful and you are not without the power of the spirit and a group of friends who will come alongside you you will remain where you are now and you will never defeat it. The early church knew that and they wanted the life. They wanted the real life Jesus came to bring so they confessed their sins to each other. John Ortberg says this, accountability is a tool and a gift we give to one another to try to realize the growth we could never know all by ourselves. Not only that, quickly, they held each other accountable. 
Now, here is a verse in Galatians 6 that is often misunderstood. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? What would be the same as the law of God? Which is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, in order to do that, you have to carry each other's burdens. Unfortunately, we've translated this as pain and suffering. But if you look at the context of Galatians, this is not pain and suffering, this is sin. Carry each other's sins. It's assumed by God himself that we are going to have sin in our life. Yep, it's assumed. And it's also assumed that we'll not be able to defeat it unless we carry each other's burdens, unless we don't judge each other, but come alongside each other and help each other. The reason, I know this, the reason we don't confess our sins to each other, because we know most people aren't mature enough to hear our sins. They'll cast us aside. We'll shoot our own wounded. Rather than helping and restoring, we'll say, well, I can't believe you told me that. You really are a bad dude. (laughs) But they confess their sins because they realize we're all in the same boat. They held each other accountable. And make no mistake, this whole idea of the corporate church, look, you are never, you're never going to confess your sins in a setting like this. Who are you kidding? You're not going to. I know that. But you will if you do what the early church believers did. They met together corporately, but then they met together in homes, in home groups. And they would make friends like 10 to 12 to 15 people. And then they'd get to know each other and they'd live life with each other. And they'd break bread. They would pray together and they'd confess their sins because trust developed and they would help each other. There are a lot of people that refuse to invest in others, but when their time of need comes, they expect others to invest in them. That's not going to happen. And so they go from church to church looking for the perfect church. And I keep telling you, if you find the perfect church, don't go because you'll ruin it. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. We're going to end there for today. But next time on the show, we'll keep exploring this message about what the early church looked like and how that relates to the church we're all looking for today. You see, here's the problem. You want God to move and you want to feel God and you want great things to happen in here. And God says, good, you first, you first. Today with Jeff Fines on Star. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.